This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. I think I was drinking too much of the Ryan Tully Kool-Aid at the beginning of the season. Welcome to another episode of the Game Time Podcast. It's a Premier League preview with some of the Champions League as well mixed in. Tim, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And the man is back from New York. Tom, how are your travels? Good, mate. Really enjoyable. And pleased to be back then and get some more football uh, in the system. That sounds weird. I'd like to say that again. (laughs) 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 Oh, what a start. Before we go hurtling on to some Champions League stuff, uh, it's probably worth mentioning that first order of business from Tom getting back from New York, he just wrote in the running order in capital letters, Callum Wilson scored for England and you didn't mention it. So, Tom, I will give you 30 seconds now to mention away Callum Wilson's goal. I was just pleased he scored. Um, <laughs> it was, it was a, yeah, I, I watched the game um, and then I listened to your podcast afterwards and I think it was a lot of fair comments. It was, it was mainly a game that I think England used um, to blood a few more players in. But um, I think it, considering what happened like, a few days later against Croatia, I think largely that game has been forgotten now, which is probably fair enough as well. I think for me, the good thing about Callum scoring was that he probably you can't really drop him now from the next squad, which I think is which is good. Um, I was I was he missed the chance really early on, and I thought, oh, that's going to be it. He's not going to get another one now, and then he'll probably rue it later on. But now he's scored. You can't. I mean, Welbeck, I think, is out for the whole season now, and obviously Vardy's retired. So, as in, you know, is that celebration about Welbeck being out the season? <laughs> Yeah, we don't we don't mean, we mean injury or oh, wish injury on anyone, but um, but yeah, so that's I'm pleased then. But yeah, I think I think you know, I agreed with most of the points you guys made about like, those two games, and uh, I think we're doing the draw in a couple of weeks, two week, two or three weeks time about who England will play next uh, next summer. So that'd be exciting, something to look forward to, and another another not a summer off for Harry Kane. So he's going to be the <laughs> the most tired person of all time. <laughs> <laughs> just next season just gonna be have to be dragging him along the floor just <laughs> come on Harry you can do it <laughs> well talking about Harry Kane let's start things off with the Champions League some tasty ties that we've got to talk about let's start it off with the Tottenham game how big of a win was that over into Milan because oh, they it was looking a little touch and go if they were going to qualify out of that group Tim oh they needed it. I mean, and it's still very difficult for them because they have to match Inter's result in the next match, but Inter play, play, playing PSV and then Tottenham playing Barcelona. So they're not out of it yet by any means, but to even be in that situation, they needed that uh, that win against Inter. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not done for them yet, but it's never, never fun going to Barcelona. No, not indeed. I don't think anyone wants to go to Barcelona and have to, to get a win. Tom, do you think if Spurs do get out of this group that they've got a real chance to go far in the competition? Okay, probably say no. 
But um, I think there is... Um, I, I actually think they will. I've got a feeling they're going to qualify. Um, and the reason for me is that Barcelona have already uh, qualified as the group winners. Um, and they also they have a game against Espanyol before the Tottenham match and then a game against Levante afterwards. And they're not performing particularly well in the league. So I've got a feeling they may rest players in the game against Tottenham. And I think, conversely, Tottenham are going to be very up for that game and obviously know they need to get a win. Um, the game, uh, the, I, I watched the Spurs game yesterday and it was... Um, it, it, it felt like a really Spursy game where they were going to play fine, then they just weren't going to win. Um, but to get that goal from Ericsson, I think is well. Hopefully, we'll push them forward, and, and they'll go to the, uh, the camp new with at least some belief that they they might be able to get a result. Yeah, a really big goal it came like what last ten minutes or so. So pretty much as late as you can try and leave it, but it gives them a chance of qualifying out of that group. Another team who didn't do themselves any favours in recent games, Liverpool, a shock loss to Red Star Belgrade, and then outplayed by PSG. I'm not sure that we can discuss, but they they lost to PSG, and that really does not put them in the best position. I think they have to beat Napoli um, or match the other result. I'm not sure what the stipulations are, but is it looking difficult for them? Do you think they'll qualify out of the group, Tim? Um, I mean, you said it, like, the the thing that they've shot themselves a foot with is get, losing to Red Star. Like, that's what's, that's why they're struggling now. Um, I think, I think they need to, they need to beat Napoli or three goals to one or, or two goals to one, something like that. It's really weird. They have to beat Napoli and goal difference is in, uh, is going to come into it. But, I mean, PSG did play really well. Like, when Neymar and Mbappe are playing like that, you know, you're unstoppable. And then, obviously, they brought Chupa Moting on at uh, Fredenson Cavani, which means that Liverpool were never going to win. Um, <laughs> but, like, Liverpool really didn't help themselves in that match. They were quite poor. Uh, Firmino, Salah and Mane just really didn't fire at all. There was no connection between them, like we're so used to seeing. Um, I think PSG were a bit dirty, and there's been stories coming out. I think um, Klopp said something that, like, they made Liverpool look like convicts or something like because <laughs> PSG just kept their players kept going down at the like tiniest of touches and it was really poor like you know you're going to get that with Neymar but um, Liverpool did you know they were conceding a lot of fouls and I think that really didn't help them because as soon as they tried to build any momentum up they had a foul committed and lost the ball so um, but you're always going to come up against you know if you play PSG there's always that chance that they're going to sort of run riot with their front three so you know, they needed, they needed that win against Red Star, but it's not over for them yet. And they can be Napoli, but it's going to be so tough for them as well. Yeah, it will be tough. You got your, your professions mixed up. He called them butchers, not convicts. Butchers, um, I can remember. Professional, <laughs> like a... professional convict. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, get, you can get professional convicts, I imagine. <laughs> but yeah, it was quite, I don't know if you saw the interview afterwards, it was quite an impassioned interview when I think one of the journalists consistently, or a few journalists had mentioned this Neymar play acting um, and he just had enough and and went off on one and he called them butchers because apparently they were just scything players down all over the pitch getting booked. But do you think, Tom, that as good as Neymar is, his play acting really does just make him look like a bit of a dick? 
Yeah, it's the one thing that watching the game, you just he rolls around so much and then gets up instantly. And um, I don't, I, I don't know why he does that. I, I just don't get it. He, he's, I think he, he maybe sees it as he has to sell up some of his fouls to get free kicks. But most of the fouls on him are obvious. He is so skillful and so talented that he can get away from his man almost with ease. There was a couple of times when there was a break. I think for the second goal which he scored. Um, he ran past um, the, the Liverpool midfield with such ease that he, he, he's so capable of doing that. He doesn't need these rolling around on the ground aspects of his game, but it, it is part and parcel with him. And I guess to an extent, we used to moan at Ronaldo for doing the same thing. And I don't know whether he's grown out of it or maybe we've just accepted it a bit more. But um, I think on the actual game itself, Liverpool, well, Liverpool picked up a lot of yellow cards. So I, I wouldn't say they were particularly honest in that game themselves, but they've struggled away. Uh, they've lost all of their away Champions League games. So they are struggling to perform away from home in Europe this year. Um, they only had one shot on target apart from the penalty as well. So I wouldn't say it was, even though it may have appeared tense because of the scoreline, I don't think they were really threatening to get back into the game at all. Um, and I, I think, yeah, um, PSG probably should have scored another one to put the game to bed. But on the flip side, PSG were lucky because I, I don't know if you saw the Verratti challenge on Joe Gomez. Mm. Um, I, that, that could have broken his leg. And um, they, they, I think arguably that should have been a red card. Um, so maybe PSG rode their luck a bit in the end. But it was really strange listening to a game which was in France and the crowd actually sound passionate. I mean, it was so weird hearing some actual chants and people. And the way they celebrated at the end, it was almost like they'd won the Champions League PSG. So, yeah, I, th- I think... Tim, you're right. They need Liverpool need to win two 0 against Napoli because of the the uh, the head to head record. But I've got a feeling they're going to struggle because I think PSG will comfortably beat Red Star, and I think Napoli are a lot better team than some people give them credit. Yeah, was it six one? I think PSG beat Red Star in the the first round of matches, which ended up sparking some sort of betting scandal because <laughs> one of the one of the coaches of Red Star put on that they'd lose by a five goal margin um, so we'll see what happens we'll see what happens in that one one thing that I wanted to talk about while we're talking about Neymar what what are your boys opinions on how good he is compared to Messi or Ronaldo is he up there as sort of the top five players in the world at the moment and if not what do you think he's he's got to do to get there I mean I definitely definitely don't think he's on the same level as those two um, they are. I mean, they're in a level of their own. But I, I, I think I would put him in sort of a the bracket below. But I like. I think I think the play acting really does detriment his like quality. I think he's a. It makes him a worse player because of it. Um, like whether he if he feels that he needs to, you know, if he gets tackled, he then needs to go on. That he needs to go down because it you know makes him look like he was fouled and not tackled fairly. Um, but I genuinely think it detriments him as a player. I think there are players better than him. I think I'd rate Mbappe higher than him. Um, really? Rate, yeah, I think so. And um, I think because I think Mbappe's impact on the game is probably more. And admittedly, Neymar's got a really great goal tally this season. It is in League One, and he's doing well. But like, I think everyone expects him to be this player with this winger with flair and like skills and ability, and like. He just doesn't show it that often anymore. I think I think for Barcelona it was a bit different because um, he had players to sort of live up to, and 
you maybe saw a bit more of a skillful side of him, but in League One, and maybe this is because I haven't watched him as much, um, but he just does seem to be lacking something. Like, I'd rate Mbappe higher. I think I'd rate Hazard higher at the moment as well. I mean, I am a Chelsea fan, so that's really biased. Um, and there are players like you know, Modric that have had great years as well. So I think he's he's probably in that bracket below Ronaldo Messi, but I just he's not performing as well as I think he can, to be honest. He scored 42 goals in 47 games for PSG with 23 assists. How much better do you want him to fucking perform? <laughs> I know, but like, I, I, I'm, this is for his standards. Because like, mm. I think if he was playing the best he can, he would be, you know, on that level. I think he's perfectly capable of doing it. He's younger than uh, Ronaldo Messi. And he's got the ability to actually like, you know, reach their level. And to be honest, he's got the ability to play at that level now as well. I just think that, um, and I hate saying this, but the goals and assists are sort of in League One, you know, don't count for quite as much. Like, this is obviously really important, but um, I, just, I just think he's missing something, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate. He's a, he's a, he's a very decent player. And I, th- I think, yeah, the, it's very easy to look down on him because of the play acting. And I think that's why he gets a bad rep. But there's no doubt he's a he's a talented footballer. Tom, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, yeah, I mean, he does help that he plays against farmers every week. So um, <laughs> There it is. He will, there. He, will, he will pad his stats. So I, I think um, I'm, I'm a huge Ronaldo fan, but I don't think that anyone is near as good as Messi at the moment. I think Messi is um, quite clearly the, the best player in the world. But I, I would like to bolt on to the last podcast as well, but that video of him taking the touch through the... That was a fluke. He did not mean that. There's no way. It's, it's impossible. He's very good, but he didn't mean that. Um, I'll leave that. My opinion on it is clear. <laughs> uh, I think there's, there's, there is an interesting point in terms of... if you compa- It's difficult to compare the three of them because uh, if, if you include Neymar with those two, because they Ronaldo and, ne- and Messi are so much older than Neymar. But at the same age, Ronaldo, at 26, had played 472 career games, scored 213 goals. Neymar's played a bit more with 520 career games, but he's scored 321 goals. So he's uh, scored over 100 more goals than Ronaldo had at the same point in his career. So I think he does very much have the potential to get to that level, I think. Uh, I I think he will continue to score goals in France. I I'm convinced that he will probably go back to Spain, if not next summer, the summer after, um, and probably play for Real Madrid because I think that's the way it's destined to go at the moment. Um, I don't think he has the commitment or personality to be ever be as good as Messi. Um, I think he's just a world above. Uh, but I, w- I probably would say he's the third best player. I, I, I think Mbappe has the potential to be better than Neymar. But I don't think he is at the moment. I, I think he still has a bit to grow. Um, and I think he probably needs to have his own team, inverted commas, rather than be second fiddle to Neymar. I mean, while we're talking about France, Monaco, they've had a poor season in Liga, and the Champions League hasn't really given them any respite. They've knocked out bottom of their table behind Club Bruges. How, how sad is it to see the very rapid decline of that team after what they achieved, what, two seasons ago. I feel bad for Henri as well. Like, you know, legend of the game manages basically home club. Uh, and have they won a game yet? He's yeah, won one won game. One game yeah. at the weekend. One game. Like, it's shocking. 
Um, to be honest, I'm surprised he's still there, but like it's such a fall from grace considering how good they have been um, and all the players they had playing for them that have now left. Um, and maybe it's because of that because they've just sold so many of their players, but oh, it's not good down there. Yeah, no, not, not good at all for Monaco. Uh, another team that, you know what, before the last gasp antics of beating Juventus in the last round of games looked like they weren't going to qualify from the groups and it only took another last gasp effort from Manchester United to beat Young Boys 1-0 at home in the 91st minute through Mauro Anfellaini. It's not looking good at Old Trafford. Um, do you have any hope for them in this competition? They've qualified now. Do you see them getting through the next round, Tom? No. <laughs> I, I'm pretty negative on Spurs and United in terms of their chances of the Champions League but um, if there was a possible way of Mourinho scripting that game it would have been a last minute Fellaini winner <laughs> <laughs> that young boys team I mean they, 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 it would have been a great result for them to get a draw at Old Trafford but United made a real meal of it and I just don't understand his his tactical decisions and not starting Cogba and not starting Lukaku. I, I understand he's in a bit of a drought and things like that, but surely a game against young boys is the is the game you give him ninety minutes to try and get a goal because he's it, it's I would say there's there's better defenses in the Premier League that he's going to come up against in the next few weekends rather than playing against young boys in the Champions League, but. He's, I think Mourinho's gone. I think Mourinho knows he's going. I think, I think he's just, I don't know. I don't even know what he's trying to achieve anymore. With the, He said after the game, this is a message to my lovers and all this type of stuff. Like, <laughs> I, don't know. I, I, I don't know if he's interviewing for his next job with all, some of these appearances in, in, in the press, but it's, it's a bit of shambolic. And, and the way, I don't know if you saw the images of him when Rashford missed the chances in the first half. He sort of turns to the bench in disgust and sort of saying, oh, why doesn't he score? I mean, that's, that's very disrespectful as a manager and someone that you wouldn't really want to work under if you're a player as well. So I, I think his lifespan will, won't lo- live long into next year. I Clearly see hate- a great opportunity to pull up my stat here about Lukaku. <laughs> um, it's so he's one half. So I think he's one half football away from a thousand minutes without scoring for United, um, and then in that time, City have scored eighty-three goals, and Alexis Sanchez has earned twelve million pounds. That's crazy. Yes. Really not good for me. <laughs> not good indeed. I I think on one point, clearly Mourinho has an agenda at the moment because he's doing everything in his power in post-match interviews to continually deflect away. I don't know the other thing he said. He said something like, 14 times I've qualified from the Champions League. I've never been demoted down to the Europa League in the one year that I had. I won it, and then he just walked off. Uh, he destroyed those bottles. The, the man is is clearly um, he's got an agenda somewhere, and um, how long he lasts at Manchester United is not clear to see. One person that will be sticking around at least for another year, David de Gea. They've activated a one year contract extension, so he ain't going anywhere. He's probably going to go to Real Madrid after that, though. I think, do, do, do you think so? Uh, I I think so. I don't. Apparently. Uh, I'll try and find it online, but uh, Real Madrid fans voted Courtois their worst signing 
<laughs> that makes me so happy. So if that doesn't open a door somewhere for uh, David De Gea to get in, I don't know what does. I think that the fact that they've um, had to trigger the extension on his contract, indicating that he's probably reluctant to sign a new deal. So hmm. yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. It could even be as early as next summer because they, if they know that he could potentially leave on a free the, the summer after, they might want to at least try and get some money out of the deal. But yeah, I, I think that'd be. A, I mean, he made an incredible save in that game, and I think it'll be a huge loss if he if he does go. I think the biggest loss Manchester United if he when he leaves or if he leaves, he will be the biggest loss that Manchester United will have because the amount of seasons that he's won them points is absolutely ridiculous. Um, Right, so that's pretty much summing up all of our Champions League chat. Someone's whacked here the disappointment of Hoffenheim. Who wants yeah, to talk us through that? that that's, that's me. I, I think I was drinking too much of the Ryan Tully Kool-Aid at the beginning of the season. <laughs> because I was convinced they were going to be really good. Is it, um, I always struggle to say their manager's name. Is it Nagelsmann? Yeah, Nagelsmann. Yeah, Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann. He, he's going to um, Leipzig next summer, isn't he? So he's, he's already aware of what his future is. But I was so convinced they were going to be, well, maybe provide a bit of an upset in Man City's group that I was disappointed that they've sort of gone out with a bit of a damp squib. And um, yeah, and Leipzig look like they're going to qualify for Europe next season. And I don't think Hoffenheim will in terms of positioning the Bundesliga at the moment. I, I think Ryan would have to clarify that a bit more. But yeah, I, I just expected a bit more. Yeah, we've heard so many good things from Ryan mainly because he watches the Bundesliga so much. In in Reese Nelson playing really well for Hoffenheim, and they're sixth in the Bundesliga. So they're not they're not doing too badly, but yeah, they did kind of go out with a little bit of a whimper in the end. And they played some decent football, didn't didn't they go two 0 up against City in the first game? I think it was one 0 I think one 0 yeah. Didn't City win two one? I think. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah, when I saw that game, I thought, oh, they might have a chance. I think, I think Leon have been very impressive with how they've performed against Man City and, and quite rightly, they'll probably qualify as well. Very impressed, indeed. Right, before we move on to some Premier League stuff, it's the end of the group stages, essentially. There's one more round left to go. Who are your favourites to win the Champions League now? We've seen a few games under it. Tim? Uh, I'm going with either uh, Juventus or Barcelona. It's a bit of a cop-out because I'm choosing two, but... <laughs> Surprise, surprise, it's the teams with Messi and Ronaldo in them, but they both look really, really strong. And it could I think it could be Juventus' year with Ronaldo. Just that makes me sad because <laughs> Buffon left them so that he could win a Champions League and they're probably going to go further. Tom, who have you got your money on? I love the idea. That's the, that's the message you're spreading from Buffon, moving to <laughs> millions of dollars in uh, PSG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it. I promise I'm doing it for the medals, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Um, I, I think... Uh, I've got a feeling City are going to win it. Oh, um, I'm not particularly p- p- proud of that, um, <laughs> but I, I think City or I mean, if Tim's choosing two, I'll choose two as well. I think PSG do actually have a chance. I, I, I'm not, I'm not convinced, but it, it will pay dividends later on in the season when you are playing ultimately one game a month because everybody else has got to tend the flocks. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think in April, May time, when there's less pressure on them because they've already won the league, I think um, that they may come in, come into their own. I, yeah, I haven't been particularly impressed with them, but I still think that when you get to sort of a, a two a two legged game, you can have big performances and they can put you into the later stages of the competition. I just don't think the defence is good enough. Like Silva was phenomenal uh, this week, but 
like they've looked sort of really struggling at the back as well when teams attack them. So um, I, I, I do think they'll struggle. It's a good shout though because obviously they will have the league wrapped up very very soon. So <laughs> very just, soon. The thing the thing I learned about PSG is I don't know half of their players. Half of them have got like <laughs> these random French players. And like I speak to, I have a friend who supports Leon, and I speak, who's that? He goes, oh yeah, he's coming through the under-21s in France. And I was like, why aren't they signing Brazilians like they used to? Why are they, de- <laughs> why are they developing players now? <laughs> What's happening? This doesn't match the agenda of them just spunking billions of pounds on players. <laughs> Is it worth mentioning, um, Tuchel dropped Rabiot literally like an hour before the match uh, this Tuesday because he had a sp- another spat. Uh, and just dropped out the squad completely, so just replaced him in central midfield with Di Maria. Classic. I mean, he's got, he's got, he's not signed another contract, so his contract runs up at the end of the year, I think. Um, but like, he's definitely going to go, and clubs will want to snap him up. But he's got such a bad attitude, and to be dropped literally an hour before the um, your Champions League match with what was a really important game to get them through is just ridiculous. <laughs> Expect nothing from a man who refused to be on the standby list at the World Cup just because he thought he was too too good for a standby list. Right after the break, we'll be going full steam ahead into the Premier League with the big game, the North London derby. A little quiz coming up on that and a few other matches that take our fancy. See you in a bit. If you're an MMA fan, be sure to check out the new Switchkick podcast. We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news, and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store. Right, welcome back. So, as I said before the break, into the Premier League. Shall we kick it off with the big game of the weekend? Palace versus Burnley? No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. North London derby on the Sunday. It, to be fair, it's Derby Sunday as well because we've got the Merseyside derby and another London derby in Chelsea Fulham. But let's start off with Arsenal Tottenham Hotspur. And before we get into all of the important stuff, I've got a quiz for you boys. Uh, right. How much do you know about the North London derby? Very little. i got negative amounts. <laughs> We'll be able to find that out in this quiz. Oh! Right. Sorry, cheek almost scored a banger. <laughs> <laughs> right. Seeing as I am a fair person. <laughs> <laughs> said by all I... fair people. <laughs> um, I will flip a coin. Tom, you can call it in the air. This is fair um, because both of us can obviously see this coin. <laughs> I, will, I will tell you when it's flipped. <laughs> right. It's been flipped. Call it. Tails never fails. It's heads. Oh. <laughs> Tim, would you like the first question or the second question? Uh, I'll go with the first one. Okay. Here it is. The North London Derby quiz. Question one. Who has scored the most goals in the history of the North London Derby? Oh, things I don't know about football past 2004, so I'm screwed. <laughs> uh, Wait, you I don't know anything about it past 2004? Pre-2004. <laughs> <laughs> Hugely into 1980s North London Derby. <laughs> I, will, I will stress, I will stress, all of these questions are Premier League. Okay. 
era, um, and they're all to do with North London derbies in the Premier League. So no cup competitions, no pre-1993. So don't worry about that. I mean, I'm still stuffed. <laughs> uh, I'll just, I'm just going to say Henri, but I think that's definitely wrong. Thierry Henri is the wrong answer, Tom. You don't get a point for it, but do you want to hazard a guess? Uh, I have no idea, but I'm going to choose someone who played for both teams and, and try. I'm going to get Emmanuel Adebayor. Is the correct That's answer. Great. Well done. Absolute shout. He scored eight for Arsenal, two for Spurs, ten goals altogether. Right, Tom, this to make it 1-0. Who scored a late equaliser in the dramatic four-all draw in 2008? Okay, so... so... I, I think everyone remembers the game for the goal that David Bentley scored, which is the vol- the big volley, right? Yes. But I think Aaron Lennon was the actual player who scored the equaliser. Absolutely nails it. Aaron <laughs> Lennon with the dramatic late equaliser. That, that, that was the one where the fan jumped over the pitch and gave, <laughs> gave him a hug. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well played. Tom in the lead 1-0. Tim, you're pretty much going to have to get this, otherwise it's game over. Who was... <laughs> who was the, <laughs> Who was the last player to move directly from Arsenal to Spurs? The last player. The um, last player. To move directly from Arsenal to Spurs. Uh, I've absolutely no idea. Um, I'm trying to think if it's recent or not, but I can't think of any anyone recent that's done it. Uh, I can I can give you the year as a clue if you want. Go on then. Uh, let me Google it. <laughs> 2010 he left Arsenal to join 2010 he left Arsenal I, li- I have no clue at all are you are you giving up do you want to just guess one player um, I, Asu Okoto oh, he is a defender it, not not the right defender but <laughs> it was a, it was William Gallas yeah William Gallas yeah it was the last player to leave directly from Arsenal because Adi Bayor went to Spurs, but through Man City. So he was not on the list. Which means, Tom, this is just to pad the stats, really. This is, uh, <laughs> this is, this is not... Uh, you've already wrapped up the win. Who scored more goals in the North London derby? Is it Thierry Henry or is it Harry Kane? Hudson <gasps> Odoi scored! <laughs> <laughs> not the answer! Uh... I think I'm. I've got a feeling this might be a trick, trick question, and that I think it's maybe Henri didn't score as many against Tottenham as we think. So I'll, I'll go. I'll go for Kane. Correct answer. Yeah, yeah. Harry Kane's got seven goals uh, against them. So Tom wins it two nil. I had a tiebreaker ready. If you'd if you'd go like on. to hazard a guess, both of you. How many goals have been scored in the North London derby? In the Premier League, I'll give you within five goals. Let's look at how many games that's going to have been. So that's about 20, 25 years. I, I, can give, I can give you that as well if you'd like that. So uh, you don't have to do the maths on it. Yeah, go on. Uh, 56 games 56 between the two. 145. 145 for Tim. I'll be a prick and I'll go 150. I'll tell you, one of you is within one. And it's Tim, 140, yes. 144 goals. It means shit all because you still lost 2-0. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, you get the feeling of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> With all that silliness out of the way, how do we think the game's going to go? Tom, as you won, I'll give you a 
first in. <laughs> who, who do you think is going to come out with the win? Uh, I, I watched the Arsenal game last weekend, and unfortunately, it was on the other end of a Bournemouth defeat. So um, <laughs> I, I had an opportunity to look at Arsenal. I guess they didn't look particularly impressive. Um, they probably did actually deserve the win in the end, but it, it was a close game. Um, and I actually, I actually think Tottenham may get a result this weekend. Um, obviously, to go to the Emirates and get something would be would be great for their fans. But the way that they had the grit and determination to play against Inter Milan last night. Um, they were also able to give a relative rest to Eriksen and Son because they only came on late in the second half to try and make an impact on the game. So that that is potentially beneficial for them. Arsenal play, have played tonight as well, um, so they'll be a little less rested than Spurs. But yeah, I, I think Tottenham will get a win. I, I'm I'm quite confident that Harry Kane will score as well. And uh, yeah, I think that'll be a, a win for Tottenham. Put your money on it. Tim, you had the agony of watching Spurs absolutely rag Chelsea the other day. That's all right, mate. What do you think they'll do against Arsenal? Um, I mean, in fairness, Spurs did look really good. Chelsea was shite. Um, <laughs> but they, they did look really strong. I'm really hoping it's one of those close matches that it's like, it goes 1-0 up, then 1-0, then 2-1, then 2-0. Like, and just keeps going. Um, I think both teams are going to give each other problems at the back. Um, I think Arsenal have shown how good they are going forward but also shown that they can be a little bit weak with their um, attackers if Aubameyang certainly if Aubameyang plays but if Lacazette plays as well they could cause Spurs, that Spurs defence a lot of problems um, I don't know if Vertonghen's back on will be fit for the match I'm going to go with Arsenal I think they will outscore them but it honestly could go either way Arsenal, obviously, this is could be 18 games unbeaten in all competitions if they manage to avoid defeat against Spurs. So both teams coming into the game on a high, an interesting game. It'll be another game on Derby Sunday, as I'm now calling it. Chelsea versus Fulham. Ranieri back at his old, old stomping ground. Uh, won his first game, obviously, in charge of Fulham. Sorry, lost his first game as a manager in the Premier League. Do you think this is going to be a game that Chelsea just get that confidence back and absolutely drub it? Or, or do you think Fulham have, have got a bit more grit and determination to them now? I think, I don't know, it's, it's a good one because Chelsea have got to bounce back from a, you know, a big loss last weekend. Uh, and Fulham have, the, for, for the first time this season, showing the fight that they can come back from games and uh, that they're trailing in and score. So, it, again, it could be quite a good match. Uh, obviously, I want Chelsea to win, but um, I think Fulham could pose a bit of a threat. I just think that if we go back to, you know, what we've been known for the past few years with a really solid defence and just don't make any silly mistakes, and if David Luiz isn't starting, uh, we should be fine. Tom, big Alexander Mitrovic, bloody loves a goal. Do you think his physical presence is going to cause that Chelsea defence some problems? Yeah, I, I think that they uh, that Fulham will probably will be a bit invigorated under Ranieri. Getting that first win was very important, uh, despite it being against a, a terrible um, a terrible Southampton side. Um, I think, yeah, I think this Fulham team will probably pose Chelsea a, a bit a few more threats than maybe a, a Fulham team of a, a month or two ago. Um, uh, I think it, it won't be an easy game. I think Chelsea will, will probably have too much for Fulham and, and I, I would expect it probably to be quite a comfortable victory. Um, but I, I wanted to pick something up which, I, which has sort of been playing out in the news um, in the last couple of days but was also mentioned uh, on the podcast 
um, earlier this week. What, what do you? I, I don't really understand Sari's comments about Kante and Jorginho. Um, has, hmm. Do you think Sari's been watching the Premier League? Because <laughs> Kante was like the best player in the Premier League for two years. When he was at Leicester, he was unbelievable. And the first season at Chelsea was incredible. Now, I get that you're bringing in a player like Jorginho and you say, oh, no, we won't play Kante there. Kante's brilliant. Like, he's so, so good at that job. And Chelsea have been playing well. Yeah, you, they've done well, they're doing well in the league. And, and obviously, sorry, getting beat last week was, was a, a bit of a blip, you'd say. But I, I find it puzzling the way he's approaching this and, and possibly runs the risk of maybe losing Kante um, to, to a rival. Well, yeah. I, sorry, you got him. No, you got him. Um, well, I mean, we, we, this news story has come out literally just after we talked about it in the pod on Wednesday. They've already been sort of misinterpreted, and one, two things for that. One, Gary Lineker didn't help because uh, he just read the title that some newspaper had written that wasn't a direct quote from Sarri. Um, it's quite clear as a Chelsea fan what he's trying to say because the way he plays and the way he sets his team up is he needs the deep-lying midfielder in that central role to be able to play passes, uh, long passes, quick passes, get the ball moving forward. And that's exactly why he brought Jorginho in. Um, he's exactly that type of player, and that's why Fabregas sometimes plays there as well, is because his range of passing. What he's saying is that Kante doesn't have the range of passing that Jorginho does, and he doesn't have the... I think we all know uh, how good Kante is. Like, he's a Premier League winner and a World Cup winner. Um, but he just shouldn't be playing in that deep holding central midfield role that Jorginho is. Um, I think the comments have been sort of taken the wrong way by a few people, like as in they haven't quite understood that it has just to the, you know, first glance, it does look like Sarri's been quite sort of rude and not particularly fair on Kante. Really not what, um, what he meant. And in all fairness to like Sarri, his man management is really, really good. Um, and, he said that, you know, Kante is improving in that position um, on the sort of right side of midfield going forward more. Uh, he's also come out and said that he wants him to stick by Jorginho a bit, but that's not really a criticism. That's just him being honest about how Kante should play. Um, it's also worth noting that Kante's literally just signed a five-year deal at Chelsea worth several hundred thousand pounds a week. Um, so hopefully he's not going anywhere. But I think just some bad interpretations have made this sound a lot worse than it actually is. World Cup winner and Premier League winner. Cleberson did those two things, and we all know where he ended up. <laughs> but I think just compare him to Kante. I'm not comparing Cleberson to Kante in any way. I'm just saying they both won a Premier League and a World Cup. Make of that what you will. I, I agree with you. I think maybe it's gone a bit out of hand. But the one thing that I think that no one's really mentioned yet is the fact that Sari, yes, has been playing very well, and he's he's brought his style into the Premier League almost seamlessly, the Tottenham game was the first blip, but he's trying to make Kante Allen, who he had at Napoli. And unfortunately, Kante is by far and away a much better defensive midfielder than Allen. Is he a better box-to-box midfielder for what Sarri wants him to do than Allen? Probably not. I think Allen was just better going forward than Kante. Kante will have to develop that, but I don't think he's ever going to be that arriving late in the box, finishing chances off. And so I think maybe at some point, Sari's got to realise that maybe Kante will never 
get to that level and he will just have to do what any good coach does and be a little bit more versatile. I mentioned this on Wednesday that I think what would work really well and it doesn't quite fit in with Sarri's normal system but I think maybe a bit of adaptation is needed is just to play Kante and Jorginho. Jorginho is both deep-lying midfielders so that you've got Jorginho can pick the ball up and move it forward really quickly and Kante can you know, do what Kante does best and intercept and nick the ball off people and be that really solid defensive midfielder. But then you can have three attacking midfielders in front of them, which sort of makes up for the fact that, you know, Kante's not um, playing that more attacking role. So just sort of a 4-2-3-1 system. But admittedly, that isn't Sarri's favourite system at the moment. I think he just needs to tweak it a little bit. Yeah, and I think as well, it's very easy to start talking about tweaking things off a loss. Give it a couple of weeks when they're back to normal and it'll be, it'll be fine. Uh, last game on the Sunday, Liverpool versus Everton. Where do you see that going? Because I tell you what, I, I agree with what Ryan said a couple of weeks back. Liverpool haven't been playing the best of football recently and have been getting away with it to some extent. Everton, on the other hand, have been playing pretty decent. I think this is going to be a tighter game than most people think. Tom, what do you think? I've got a feeling Liverpool are going to win it. And I think it might be comfortable. I, 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 I miss the, the days of when this was a really competitive fixture. Mm. Um, it, it feels like a really long time since... Oh, I can't remember the last time Everton beat Liverpool, honestly. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's probably a good time for Liverpool to, to um, Everton to play Liverpool. Although you might argue that Liverpool will try and back, immediately bounce back after the PSG result. Um, I think Sigurdsson has had a... A very impressive start to the season so far, even. And, and Richarlison has maybe faded a bit, but he's still a very talented player. Um, and, and that Everton team, I think they look good for around a seventh or eighth place finish. And they, they probably will believe they'll be able to get something from that um, game at Anfield on, on Sunday. But uh, I think I would go for a, probably a comfortable 2-0, maybe 3-1 win for Liverpool. I just remember, uh, I think it was, was it final year of university, maybe second year of university, uh, where we were having a look at some of the games. And I remember it being Liverpool versus Everton. And I remember thinking, this is a nailed on draw. Liverpool aren't playing very well and Everton are playing really well. So I put it on my Acca and then Liverpool won 4-0. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was the day I realised I shouldn't comment on football games <laughs> and betting-wise anymore. But yeah, that's no, fair. Tim, do you think it will be a comfortable scoreline? Um, I don't know. It could go two ways. and It could be that Liverpool step up after a bad defeat in the week um, and, you know, perform to the Liverpool standards we've sort of been used to seeing recently. Or it could be that, you know, Liverpool haven't been playing top-notch and Everton have been playing pretty well. So, um, and it could be really close. Uh, I, I can't call it. I think sense says a Liverpool win. Um, probably scrap a 1-0 one, a one win, I think. But um, it could potentially, again, be really close and Everton could give them a run for the money. Scrappy. Well, one game that I think might be scrappy, and it's the last game we're going to talk about, but actually the first game of the weekend, which is Friday night. Cardiff versus Wolves. Wolves have dropped off the pace a little bit, and Cardiff played really well and were unlucky to lose against Everton last weekend. Now, Tom, do you think this is Cardiff's best chance to uh, to rack up some more points? Yeah, I really think it is. I think um, under the Friday night lights on the telly, that'd be good for Cardiff <laughs> to, to get a run out. But um, Wolves were very disappointing last weekend against Huddersfield. Um, and I, I think Cardiff 
have <laughs> Cardiff have seemed to have done this thing where they haven't really picked up many points, but there seems to be a general consensus that oh they're trying hard, and <laughs> and I they're, they're I, with that I think there is a chance that they could pick up more points from games like this uh, where they are going to play their style of football and that's what they're going to do for 90 minutes. If it picks them up points, it picks them up points. If it doesn't, they've just got to deal with that. Um, I think Warnock probably will have been pleased with some of the responses that he's got from players uh, across the squad. Uh, and I, Yeah, I do. I think I think Cardiff, I think, I don't know if they'll win it, but I think they'll get a result. And um, I'll probably go for a draw in this game. But yeah, I think the Wolves bandwagon may have got a bit fuller than it needed to get <laughs> early in the season. because they. I don't think they performed as well as people anticipated them uh, anticipated that they were going to do. Um, but yeah, I think Cardiff will get a point out of this game. It's that classic home form that Cardiff love. Yeah. Love a good scrap at home. Uh, one thing that I found, which was, uh, I didn't even realise this, and totally by fluke I found it whilst I was adjusting my fantasy team for the Premier League. Uh, Patterson, who plays for Cardiff, he's had the second most shots in the league <laughs> in, inside the penalty area. Only second to Mohamed Salah. So it, it shows how it is he scored. <laughs> yeah, that's a different question. <laughs> but it shows that he's getting into positions where he can have chances. It's not like Cardiff are absolutely scraping the barrel. So uh, you know what? I, I probably agree with you, Tom. I think they'll scrap something out of it. If, if not a win, I definitely think they'll get a point. What they would do for a Glenn Murray. <laughs> <laughs> right, to finish off the pod, as always, it's our talking points from this week's football. Who wants to kick us off? Right. I don't know if you've seen this. I'm sure you will have done. It's just the most... Like, I don't understand what's happened. Um, there's a player who used to play for... This is great in itself. Ballybrack FC. Um, <laughs> he's called Fernando Lafuente. And he literally found out about his own death through news articles that were sent to him from his current club, Galway. Jesus Christ. It's like... I'm, is allegedly so basically what happened was um he was in a bike accident and he, he so he moved on from Ballybrack FC to Galway and he was in a bike accident um and his old club allegedly someone there has reported that he died and then play it later on because they weren't ready for it and then <laughs> the player Lafuente got these articles sent to him by his current club saying that he's died. And it's just like, oh, I've just got a broken leg. Oh. Like, oh, it's so mental. There were minutes of silence observed at matches for him. Um, like, oh, it's just the most mental thing I've heard for such a long time. Um, and all for like a match postponed, they faked someone's death. Well, that's... That's taking Ferris Bueller's day off to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely taking it to the next level. Oh, that's mental. Tom, what have you got for us? Uh, only a brief one in the sense that um, obviously Sol Campbell has been appointed the Macclesfield Town Manager this week. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's funny. But um, I, I think there was a, it, it's good that he's got a job because I think there was a lot of criticism as to why he hasn't been recruited earlier because he's got all these qualifications. I think there were, there's been accusations that there's been uh, maybe some uh, racism attached to why he hasn't been getting jobs and people like Steven Gerrard have walked into the Rangers job and obviously Frank Lampard um, at Derby. But there are some quotes which maybe may make people realise why. <laughs> in, in, the, 
press conference he did say, oh, actually, Macclesfield won their first game um, with him in charge. Although it, I think it was the day after he took over. So I am conscious maybe he didn't have that much of an impact on that result, but a win's a win. Uh, he came out in the press conference and said, Macclesfield fans will probably say, what's going on here? You've got an international footballer who's been one of the best footballers in the world coming to your club. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe that type of attitude is the reason he isn't getting jobs. But um, yeah, oh. so he's taking over at Macclesfield and I will definitely be following how they perform this season to see how successful he is. Right, then I'll finish it off with my one and it was just a Bundesliga-related thing. Um, Dodi Luke Bakayo, I probably absolutely butchered that name, uh, Loney from Watford, became the first ever player to score a hat-trick past Manuel Neuer when uh, his side drew 3 all with Bayern at the weekend. That's how he's on his CV. That, yeah, that's straight away top of his CV. When he gets a coaching job, he's going to yeah. be like, extensive CV knowledge. That's <laughs> will argue. <laughs> He'll get a job straight away at Macclesfield Town. <laughs> Striking coach, in you go. <laughs> Guys, I think we'll call it Right there. It's been a it's been emotional as always. Thank you very much for coming back, Tom. Cheers, mate. See you next week. Tim, as always, thank you. No worries. We'll be back next week with a full review of all the Premier League games and for more talking points and, and maybe unpopular opinions might rear its ugly head again. Until then, like, subscribe, share us on everything you want and uh, don't forget to tweet us your questions, gametime underscore pod on Twitter or gametimepodcast1 at gmail.com. But until next week, see you later.